Morning Skate. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Morning Skate. Uh, you got Ked here and Garrison. Garrison, say what up. What's going on? Beautiful day outside. Just went for a nice rollerblade. Feeling pumped up for this podcast. Thanks Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've had a national champion. We've had a Stanley Cup champion, a Hall of Famer, someone who played a gold medalist, but we've never actually had a gold medalist on the podcast. That is until at this very moment. Casey Bellamy is on the podcast. Casey, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. Oh, this is great. I could, I'm just feeling red, white, and blue everywhere right now. It's just everything that I would ever even want to get into. Uh, talk to Joey Diamond. He calls you the Nick Lidstrom of women's hockey. That's a pretty <laughs> decent compliment, I would say. Uh, but yeah, thank you again for hopping on. And I guess what we're going to do is we're just going to dive into your hockey career a little bit here. So we'll just begin early life. What was your earliest memory of hockey? Were you like born into a hockey family? Is that like what your parents did? Who did you like? What teams did you like? Tell us all about that as a childhood. All right. Um, my parents never played hockey. Uh, very surprising because they're probably our biggest fans because uh, my brother and my brothers played. But my mom played a little bit of volleyball, a um, little bit of softball in high school. My dad was a avid football and basketball player. Um, but I got into hockey because of my uncle. Uh, we were living in Rhode Island at the time, and my young, uh, my older brother was playing Rob, and then we moved to Westfield when I was about three years old, and I think it was some random day. I went down to the basement and put my brother's equipment on, uh, came back upstairs, and I told my parents that I just wanted to play hockey, and it's kind of stuck with me ever since. My dad was a little bit um, worrisome about that. He didn't want me to play, but my mom uh, said, sure, you can try it, and I've kind of just been playing ever since. It's funny that you brought up your brother, Rob, because uh, we have a guy who does a podcast with us normally all the time. He couldn't make it today. He's a huge humane guy. He, he was born in Maine, but then he moved to Saratoga when he was like two weeks old. So he tells everybody that he's from Maine, but he's not really from Maine, but he, he just yeah. loved Maine. So he said, uh, your older brother, Rob, was a bowling ball on the ice and one of his favorite Maine players. What was it like growing up with an absolute nail gun? That was his question. It was, uh, it was so entertaining. I loved watching my brother play because he was just a bull in a china closet. He would go out there and just completely destroy people. And that was just the entertainment of it. And he was so fast that the hits were just highlight real hits every time he would do it. Um, he, he was probably my hero growing up, just being able to look up to him. And he for sure is my biggest role model. And now that he's transferred over to singing and trying to make it professionally as a singer, um, I'm behind him every step of the way and support him 100%. Do you ever like kind of take a step back and you're like, okay, my brother growing up would just demolish people, all this stuff. And now he's a singer. Do you ever like take a step back and you're like, where did that come from? Or is that something that you always kind of knew like he had a passion for? Well, I don't know. I think when it came to hockey, I knew that he was always just, wanted it he that was a part of his game and that was going to get him uh, recruited by college coaches and hopefully getting to the next level professionally so that was his game and that's what he kind of honed in on uh singing I don't know where that came from I think when my parents bought him that guitar for Christmas when he was at UMaine uh, I'll just never forget that he didn't put it down and he hasn't put it down since and it's just something that has built a fire inside of him and I think he'll do it until the day he dies. And that's so cool because I feel like normally when people are doing music, like that's something you do at a super young age, but like he got it when he was in college. And I feel like that's kind of like an unheard of thing. Like normally 
I would think if you're a singer, like, you know, you have it, not when you're like in your twenties and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm good at this. Yeah. Very interesting. And it was so annoying at first because I would have to videotape them <laughs> like in the garage, like we'd have to put the sheet like in the garage. So it was white and I'd have to record. And then he'd say, all right, do it again, do it again for hours at a time. But he taught himself how to play the guitar and he would just be up in his room until kind of he perfected it and he would just do covers of songs. But my brother and I have a really good relationship when it comes to communication and just speaking about our passions. And I definitely, I see where he gets his creativity, writing lyrics and everything like that with music. How far apart are you guys age-wise? Uh, we're two years apart. Okay. So did you ever get to be on his teams growing up or was it just like, just on that overlap where it didn't happen? Yeah, it never happened. We would always play against each other, like in street hockey and um, always on the ice. So that was very competitive. And I loved that. The closest we ever got to each other playing hockey wise was um, we went to Berkshire school. He went there for one year when I was there, we kind of overlapped and it was a really good year for us to, you know, bond together as siblings. And, you know, when you're younger, you fight and just kick the shit out of each other. And I think we <laughs> mature. We matured a little bit at Berkshire. We got to talk about life and like friends and school. So it was very unique. And I I'll always hold uh, that close to my heart. Okay. Awesome. I'm glad that you mentioned Berkshire. I just wanted to, but right before we get there. So growing up youth hockey, I'm assuming you played with boys, right? At least at first. And then with what point did it start just to be all girls? And when were you, when you were playing with the boys, were you just dominating? Like, what was that like? Uh, it was, it was interesting for me because I played boys up all throughout middle school and I played until eighth grade because at the time of looking at high schools, I needed to make that transition, um, right. to see where I wanted to fit and what would make me become a better hockey player. And we were all hitting puberty and I knew that I couldn't play with the boys forever. I was just going to get crushed, but, um, yep, I played, uh, youth hockey with all boys and it was a very interesting transition going into girls because I was checking all the time and right. kind of get getting my ass kicked out there but as I was getting older I was able to kind of hit the guys and um kind of more like self-defense I I when you're growing up and you're growing into your body you're you're kind of like lanky and Bambi-ish on the ice so for me that was how it happened until like eighth grade is really where I I saw that stepping stone of, okay, like I can handle myself out there. Absolutely. And, and when you transitioned into women's hockey, like it's a different game, right? Like you're not hitting. So I'm sure like angles on pucks, like how, how you go up against somebody coming down on you, because if you're playing a def defense in like in, in a checking league, like there's different things that you can do to really like set the tone and get the puck back. But in a league that you can't really hit, was it hard to adjust a little bit? Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was, extremely hard to adjust the first year. So when I was a freshman at Berkshire, I got a lot of penalties and I played a couple of girls tournaments that summer right before Berkshire. So that helped me, but I was in the penalty box probably three times a game, just because as a defenseman, you don't want anyone to get by you. And for exactly. me, that was just laying somebody out if they're trying to get around me and I can't do that anymore. So I've had to really learn how to tactically position myself where one-on-ones, two-on-ones, I don't need to nail people but sometimes it happens here and there I still do it <laughs> and then, so when you were at Berkshire I thought I thought that this was interesting it said that you played three different sports um how important do you think that was to at, like to your development as a player and, and a person because I think that's something that's very important for for younger kids is 
you see a lot of people just get getting burned out playing the same sport, right? Like hockey, you can play summer hockey now. Back in the day, you really couldn't. But like now you can play hockey all year round. But you, you played three different sports. So what did that mean to you? Yeah. Oh, it's crazy, though, nowadays how everyone just plays one sport. I do not agree with that whatsoever, because when you're playing different sports, your athleticism comes out in so many different ways. So when I went to Berkshire, you, pl you play a fall sport, a winter sport and a spring sport. And I was always playing baseball and hockey and I never played soccer. So I really had to find a fall sport. And I thought field hockey was going to be the best thing for me, uh, conditioning wise and just getting my hands uh, ready for the hockey season. But it was great to get to know new people at the school and friends. But I, I swear the, um, the reason I am the athlete that I am today is because I played so many sports growing up. And to this day, like I don't put on my skates that much in the summertime, only, you know, when I'm knowing I need to prepare for camp and whatnot. But it's it's really good to just stay away from the rink and kind of get that that mental relaxation out throughout the summer and spring. I, I think that's so interesting because I have a buddy, he went to Canterbury and he played hockey and lacrosse, but he had to find a different sport for one of the seasons. And his dad like told him he's playing water polo. And he's like, dad, I can't even swim. Like, what are you talking about? So they ended up just like throwing him in the pool and he ended up figuring it out. He ended up being decent at it. But like whenever we're in the locker room and beer league and stuff, like a story will come up about him, like almost drowning in the water and be like, don't worry about it. It was like the best memories of my life. Like, okay, Rack, for sure. For sure. Well, that's, uh, what, that's what make that's what makes a uh, prep school very unique boarding school, because if you go in there just for one sport, it really brings you outside of your comfort zone and you you get to see what you're good at or you're not good at. And it's interesting. Speaking of yeah, good man. at you finish your hockey career there with 30 goals and 80 assists. So that's pretty decent. Garrison, what were you going to say? I was just going to say my dad went to Northfield Mount Hermon and he played baseball and he he remembers saying it was fun, but he wasn't he wasn't very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess that certain things like that happen, but 30 goals, 80 assists as a defenseman, I'm assuming, right? You didn't, like, switch. Like, uh, through aperture? Yeah. No, yeah, I just played defense. That's when I, I kind of transitioned from forward to defense around seventh grade there because I hated being – I hated anyone being behind me because I always wanted to be the last one back if someone was trying to score a goal. Yeah. Um, so even as, as a forward, I was playing defense like positionally. Okay. All right. So you're yeah, big, we, big D zone. Okay. We, that's good to know. So like, were you expecting to score 30 goals and have eight, like, and just light it up? Like, how did that even happen? Oh my gosh. Throughout four years. Uh, I think when you're in prep school and you, you have a little more flexibility in high school, um, if you're kind of a decent hockey player, I feel like I had that and I was able to play on the power play and I was able to get a lot of those chances, I think, in scoring opportunities through, through that. Oh, cool. You got to play. I've never been on a power play in my life. It's something <laughs> I've always been jealous of. I was always out in the PK, but actually this is a good question. So you're, you've been on the power play, I'm assuming for the majority of your life. One of my favorite things about practice back when I played like real hockey was was power play penalty kill because I knew the power play people were a little bit better than me, but I love shutting them down and I love talking as much shit to them as possible. Like as a power play person, did you guys feel the same way? It was like, Oh, we're just going to wax these scrubs right now. Like what was your mindset in practice? Uh, yeah, I think as it's very different for me because I do, I play a lot of PK and my role has changed love a little it. bit on the national team now. So I'm, I'm PKing more so, but anytime I get a chance to play on the power play, I, I, hopefully do it to my best my best ability and try to you know just make the smart play and not kind of come outside of my 
you know, what I can do because I feel like then uh, it's not going to work. But yeah, in practice, definitely when the same power play is going out every single time and you want to just kill it and, and PK, <laughs> and, but you're hoping in the game that they're going to be very successful. Exactly. No, for sure. And, and I think to the average hockey fan, like people, they, they drool about like goals and assists, but like to me, like when I'm watching a Rangers game or something, somebody goes out there and blocks a shot on the PK and the puck clears like that almost gets me more excited than when they score a goal. It's like a weird thing. So it's just, I love the fact that you just bring that defensive mindset into that. And like hockey, the hockey games are just filled with constant little battles, whether it be a face off, blocking a shot, making sure you're making a good first pass, like, it seems like it's a simple game, but when you really, really break it down, there's just so many battles going on on the ice. And it seems like you were awesome at every single one of those battles, which again, never <laughs> no. on the power play. I'm a little envious, uh, but you ended up going to Berkshire. And then from there you went to UNH. Why did you go to UNH and were there other schools that you were interested in going to? Yeah, I was looking at St. Lawrence university and Providence college. Okay. Uh, one, be one because St. Lawrence, a lot of the Berkshire girls went, there so I felt like it was a great program and I would be able to be with a lot of my friends but it was five hours away from my family so that was a tough one I had to say no to Providence College my whole um, extended family lives in Providence Rhode Island so I thought my parents would be able to come to every game and then they'd be able to stay at my grandparents house or aunt's house and you know save money but also they would be able to see me play throughout my career and then UNH I chose UNH because Robbie was at Maine at the time and my parents traveled up there a lot his freshman year. And so I said, well, UNH is cut in half from our house yeah. to Maine. And I feel like it would just be way easier for my parents the next three years, four years, um, supporting both of us and especially Hockey East. That travel is amazing um, if you're from the New England area. So whenever we were in Boston, Robbie or I, my parents would easily be able to come see us. And UNH had a beautiful campus. I loved the coaches oh, yeah. there. I loved the Winnemore Center, how big the ice was. I thought that I could excel oh, nice. with um, my passing. And it was just, it was a great choice. And um, I, love, I loved it. So yeah, Garrison and I, we both played, yeah, we both played hockey at Siena. So we get, got an opportunity a couple times to go up to UNH and like play on the rink. And it's just, it's, it's such disgusting. a beautiful facility. Yeah, it's unbelievable. If you if you're um if you're the opponent going in there, they hate it. Oh yeah, it's I, the yeah. worst. And so it's we like at first I love life. it. At first I love it because the rink's sick, and then when we're in there, it's like oh god, like they're so much more accustomed to this ice than like we are. So right, unreal. Um, little stats. Here we go. Actually, first question: What was it like playing D one college hockey? Was it everything that everybody dreams of? Yeah, for sure. I think for females, it's a little different. I, I definitely know how the male hockey world works that now that I went there and I got to see everything and witness it kind of firsthand and then seeing my brother play division one as well. Um, but it was for sure uh, entertaining and it was just a dream come true playing division one, uh, being there on a full scholarship and being able to, you know, academically, my parents didn't have to worry about a thing. I think that that was the biggest thing in a blessing, um, being able to show how hard you work and then you kind of get rewarded for that. And the other thing I would say is Berkshire prepared me for UNH. Like, I don't know how I would have done going to UNH with the time management and balancing your class schedule with your uh, hockey and your social life, but Berkshire just um, helped me to a T to deal with that.
what was your what was your biggest adjustment do you think it was going to like everything it was a class workouts just having so much things there's so many things going on like what was the biggest adjustment from prep school or boarding school to UNH the freedom I think the the routine was great for me I loved like having my classes going to hockey um, going to the dining hall and then um, just doing homework at night but you didn't have to check in anywhere. Like you didn't really, you had freedom. So it was interesting when people would be like, all right, yeah, we're going out to the bar on a Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, we are. Okay. <laughs> but you, over time you learn that, you know, you, you say yes to sometimes and then you say no sometimes. And when I started making the national team, I think my second or third year at UNH, I, I dialed it down a bit when it came to the partying definitely have to pick your spots, pick your opportunities. That was like one of the first things our coach told us when we got to see it's like, guys, like I know that you're in college, things are going to be happening, but just make sure you pick your spots. Uh, it's fun. You're, Nothing like it. Your freshman year, you led the uh, defense core and defense core and goals. Uh, were you expecting that coming from Berkshire being a freshman? And it seemed like your stats only got better. Like it seemed like you kept developing your game. Like how did that happen? No, I had no idea that that would happen. I was very nervous going into my freshman year, uh, just seeing all the upperclassmen and they're so much older and I feel like they had so much more experience, but I just would always look up to the leadership and try to do my best and learn from them. I was D partners with um, our defensive captain, Martine Garland, and she kind of just taught me everything that she knew and was my role model throughout the three years that I was there playing with her. And I think that I can uh, tell her thank you for all the success that I've had because I learned a lot from her. And my head coach, Brian McCloskey, had so much confidence in me as a freshman. And I think that that made all the difference in the world for me because from my freshman to sophomore to junior year, I just kept getting more confidence and mentally and I was improving. What, uh, what's your favorite memory of college? I think I would have to say we went to two frozen fours, which was great. And that was an amazing experience, but we won uh, four hockey East championships in a row. And at that time, UNH really wasn't winning those championships a lot. But I think from my freshman year to like the two years after I left, UNH was top 10 in the country for a while. And it was my senior year where we only had, I think like 16 or 17 skaters but we still won that year. And it's so funny because I go through all the years at UNH and we have some of the most talented teams I've ever played with. And then the, my senior year, we were just all heart. Like we weren't as talented, but we just loved each other so much. And the camaraderie on the team, just that's why we won. And it was so special to be a part of. Special moments, man. I love that. And, and you, you I feel, mentioned I feel a like little those bit. Are, I was just going to say the, um, just the most successful hockey teams I've been on have been those tight teams that really are like a family. And um, my senior year in high school, we made it to the state finals and um, we had a lot of talent too, but it was just like the, the core group of us. A lot of these kids were, I've grown up with playing every year, every other year. Um, and we were all just a family. And I think that speaks to a lot of the success and on any team really. Yeah. I think for us that year, you know, in college when people – are so strict with like the going out rules and you know for us when we won or we lost like we went out no matter what and I think that that year was 
that was so fun and nobody cared. Everyone was like, all right, you want to go out, you go out. No one's going to say, don't go out. Cause we have a game in four days or, you know, we had a week game, what, whatnot, but we just had a blast and nothing really mattered to us and except each other. And that was the best part. No, for sure. For sure. I, I think you both nailed it. Like it's a lot of fun playing on talented teams, but when you're playing with teams that, you know, no matter what they have your back and like afterwards, we're going to go get a beer after like that. Those are the yeah. teams to play on easily. Uh, you mentioned the national team. When did you find out that you, you had a shot at the national team? And what was that like? Was it a phone call? Like, do you remember that specific moment where you're like, oh, my God, USA Hockey? Well, so with USA Hockey, we have the under-18 development team. We have the under-22 team. Uh, we didn't have the under-18s yet when I was in college, but we had the under-22, and I was invited to try out for that team. Um, so that was kind of my first camp slash tryout for USA Hockey. And I remember I got cut from that team. And that was kind of like the, one of the biggest blows of my life at that time, because, you know, you're playing hockey, you're making every team that you're on, and then you want to play for your country. And the one chance and the first chance you get, you're cut. So yeah. for me, it was kind of uh, disappointing. And I remember driving home with my dad from Lake Placid, New York, back to Westfield. And I, we didn't say one word to each other for three and a half hours. And I knew he wanted to talk to me, but I think deep down, I needed to personally just take that and self-reflect and what, what are my next steps? Yeah. And I think I got back to UNH and I let two or three weeks go by and I emailed the coach and I just said, what, what do you need me to do? What do I need to do to become a better player? How do you see me fitting um, in the national team? Like anything. And so she gave me like five to six bullet points and I wrote those down on a post-it and I kind of had the, had those things everywhere in my life, in my car, in my uh, dorm room, in the bathroom. It was just in my notebooks, something that a reminder every single day that this is what I need to do and somehow do it in order to get better. And over time, if I do it, then hopefully, you know, I'll get a shot. I mean, that's incredible. I feel like some people could have just packed it in. Like you're already playing D1 hockey, like you're having a great time with your friends, but like that wasn't enough for you. So I think maybe at that moment it was really, really negative, but like, do you think that that propelled you to where you're at right now? I think my actions and how I was going to respond to getting cut was going to be all the difference in the world for me. So yeah. I never looked at it as like, I deserve to be there. Like, this isn't fair. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, I'm kind of like a silent leader in, okay, this is what I need to do. And I'm going to, do, do it at a hundred percent. And if that's not going to get me to the next level, then that's okay. I'll have no regrets. No regrets, man. I, if that doesn't motivate our listeners listening right now, I don't know what will. I'm probably going to go run five miles after this. And by five miles, I'll probably make it to the bottom <laughs> of my driveway, but I'll figure it out. It's better than just sitting here. Um, so you adjust your game, all this stuff. When do you find out that you make the U S national team? So that was in August, I got cut. And then in November, the US has a tournament, it's called the Four Nations Cup. And that's not even like the U22s anymore. This is like the big national team. And I was invited to uh, play for that team. Okay. Yeah, so so, so showing up, were you like extra nervous? Like, were you gripping oh your stick God, too yeah. hard? Like, like how I do you get through so like, those six points in your head the whole time? You're like, I need to do these six things. Like, like how did you adjust to that? 
No, actually, I didn't think about those six things anymore because they were kind of innate in me because I yeah. was doing them and doing them. Um, yeah. But I just, I loved hockey so much. I got to that point and I was just like, I'm not sure how much I'm going to play, but really try to be a great teammate and take it in and just be a sponge when you go there. And that's what I did. And it was in Canada. It was in Kitchener and it was a sold out arena. So I was literally shitting my pants like on the bench and in warmups. And I just remember, I think it was Danielle Goyette, who was around late 30s at the time on Team Canada, just walked right around me on a one-on-one -on -one and went and scored. And I was like, all right, welcome to the national team. And kind of from there, like, that was it. That was kind of like the biggest nerves I ever had. And I never really felt that again. Oh, man, I can't even imagine what that felt like. It's oh. like, welcome to the show. Oh, God. All right. So we're going to, we're going to jump. Let's go to, let's talk about the Olympics. Okay. Because I've said this on the podcast a billion times. I would say one of the best games I've ever seen in my entire life was a gold medal game, us, Canada, 2018. I remember turning it on and I was just glued to the television. Like it was just electric. It was fast. It, there was so much passion. Like you could just tell, like everybody was battling for every single inch of that ice. And it was incredible. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, let's get into the, to the, uh, the previous two Olympics, which I don't know how long we want to talk about it because they didn't go over that well. But in 2010 in Vancouver, you guys lost 2 nothing to Canada. You got a silver medal. Silver medal is still pretty cool, and you're an Olympian. Like, that's badass. Uh, 2014 Olympics in Sochi, you guys lost 3-2 in overtime. You guys were up 2 nothing. Canada uh, ties it with two late third-period goals, and they win in overtime, right? Like – absolutely brutal. I, I can't even imagine what that was like. So now well, we're going to 2018. So you've played in two Olympics. You've lost to Canada twice. The first one, two, nothing. Okay. Whatever. The second one, it seemed like you guys had that game, right? Like you guys are up two nothing. Yeah. They scored two late goals. That's awful. My question for you going into 2018, how did you keep your composure? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that went into the locker room like, Oh, it's new year. Don't worry about it. But that thought has to be in the back of your head, I would think. Like, you guys are playing the team that beat you twice before. How did you guys rally the troops? What was, what was the mood in the locker room? Tell us all about that. Because it, it was incredible. Yeah, it's – I still get chills, like, listening to you talk about it. I've been asked these questions probably hundreds of times. And no matter if it hurts or it's exciting, it's still – you know, you still get chills from it because it's such an impactful thing that happened in my life, my teammates' lives. Um but yeah, for sure. Vancouver, it was my first Olympics. So I, I think for me, I was eyes wide open. And right. once when we lost that game, I became more motivated as a as a player and I wanted to improve. And I thought we did everything we could looking into 2014. And, you know, when we got there, we were probably the better team for a majority of that game. But then, yeah, we we didn't finish the game. We didn't put together a full 60 minutes and plus overtime. And in hockey, we know that it's all about bounces. It's all about a yeah. game of inches. And that's what happened with us. Uh, one of the goals went off of my leg. And I, I think everything that I've learned throughout my career, like I could have let that get to me and really just oh yeah for sure blame it on me, right? But no, I, I'm yeah. like, no, we got to finish the game. We got a game to win. Um, definitely the most heartbreaking game um, and moment of my life. But if it wasn't for that, 
I don't know if we would have won in 2018. I don't think, I don't know if we would have changed a lot of the things that we did as a program. And I just, I look at those losses as a benefit and something that needs to happen in order to reach your ultimate goal. And for us in 2018, I don't think we had any doubts whatsoever as a team. Usually in the past, we were thinking about Canada, 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 and we, we didn't do that. We just focused on our team and every single day getting better as a program, um, as a unit. And we were just very confident going into 2018 because honestly, we had nothing to lose. And we had a very close team. And I think that it was an amazing feeling, but we were just calm. And that was the, the noticeable thing from 2014 to 2018. We were just calm, laughing. No one was stressed. No one was like too amped up or two down it was just it was just a great tournament that's so wild to me because you guys are up one nothing they tie it one one then they take the lead i would be like oh shit this is happening again like what is going on you guys tie it up and then overtime nothing and it goes into a shootout and you're telling me that you're calm like i wouldn't be able to watch i would i'd be looking the other way oh no i was pretty calm the only thing i was like Marie Philippe Poulin scores again in a gold medal game. Like, are you serious? Like, you gotta have a a horseshoe up there. But no, uh, (laughs) she she works her ass off, and she's an incredible player. Probably one of the most talented players I've ever played against. But um, yeah, you're thinking in in that moment, just like, but then it's like, okay, yep, you're we're fine. Like, we have plenty of time left, and I think that that's when we had a big switch of um, how we played. We were a little nervous in the beginning, I could tell, because I've watched it and rewatched it. And I think the later half of the game and overtime was our best um, performance. Is it weird rewatching it? And how many times have you rewatched it? I'd probably watch it every single day. Like, like if I, think, I were you. I think I've watched it like four times maybe. And I just, I just remember being there and just, it, it was just cool, calm and collective. I feel like, you know, you're, you're, you just prepared yourself for this moment. So you might as well just go out there and have fun because you, you've done everything that you can. And I think that that, was in my mind and a lot of my teammates mind and then it goes into overtime um we played well I think it was uh there was like two minutes left and we got a penalty and that happened in 2014 we got a penalty and then they scored um so you could get nervous at that but at the same time you could tell that there that was the change in our mentality in our program because we knew we were going to kill it off and shootout I said, um, I'm good. Cause I'm not shooting. So I felt <laughs> fine. Like watching the shootout. I was just like, just please save the puck and please score. I mean, what a move, right? I, I can't, oh. it's, that's one of the best shootout moves I've ever seen in my life. You just put the goalie right in the corner. There's nothing here. You go. Boom. Goal. Like it was, it was unbelievable. I just, I remember watching I don't know. at home and like I was screaming. I don't know if she, I've ever seen her do that move, but she said she practiced it like 200 to 300 times. And I never seen her do it. That's insane. It and it's the funny best. that you said she practiced it so many times. Cause I tried doing it a couple of times in beer league. I think one time I fell and then just, they just didn't, they didn't <laughs> want to go in for me, but like, what a moment when, when you guys found out you won and you guys are all rushing on the ice. Like who was the first person you went to? Cause I feel like everybody kind of has that first person you go to hug. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who's, who's your first person? Well, our decor is very special because we're very 
we're positive back there and calm and we just like take it in and we're just kind of this one unit and we're not, a lot of us aren't going to shoot in the shootout. So I remember I put, like, I wasn't watching. I was just like telling my teammate Lee Steckline, I was like, just tell me what happens. Like, I'm not watching. So whatever it is, is is whatever. And she would just tell me every, everything that happened. And then when Rooney made the save, like, it was like this euphoric feeling and we just looked at each other and like jumped on the ice and just like hugged each other until we got to our teammates and we were crying because it was just like everything that we worked for all the heartbreak like all the training all the early mornings late nights like that moment right there was when it all just came together and made it all worth it yeah and like it i feel like it's a little different from men's and women's like i feel like women's it's normally the states and canada right with men's it's kind of like a toss-up so Mm -hmm. the men's don't really have that rivalry i mean i guess u.s canada kind of does with men's but like we typically lose to them all the time so i think it's a little bit different so what what's it like do you guys hate canada like i i i feel like i would have to right like you have to go into that game being like i hate every single one of you we do. And they feel the same about us. Like we just have this unbelievable rivalry that it's very hard to explain, but it's been, it's grown throughout the years. I remember coming on the team in 2007 and it was like, you couldn't even look at the Canadians. Like you didn't even like, it was like this war, but I think over the years when you're going to college and playing with and against these players and then you know, we're, we're doing the PWHPA showcases in this movement, trying to get a league, you become friends with them. And I'm living in Calgary right now. And I've been training with and against about eight or nine Canadian national team players. It's so interesting because you respect each other so much and I'll be friend with friendly with them. But once you step on the ice, Canada, us, it's, it's a bloodbath. And that's just how we feel about it. We have so much respect for each other, but it's, it's, we're playing for our country and this is what it's all about. No, and I was going to get to that a little bit later. I, it's gotta be so weird, especially like with the women going to the all-star game. Right. And like, just hanging out and being around other, like, that's gotta be so weird looking at somebody where you're like, I hate that person so much, but like having that respect and like just essentially trying to grow the game. I always, I always wondered, like, I wonder what, like, do you guys just chirp each other nonstop on the ice? Like, is, are there players on Canada or the U.S. that just, like, kind of have a Brad Marchand kind of, like, vibe to them where, like, they just never stop running their mouths? Or, like, is there anything along those lines? It definitely depends on the situation in the game. If it's chippy right away, right off the, the hop, then, yeah, but you'll know who the people are. You know exactly, you know, who's going to be in the scrums at the end of the, the play. And I'm one of them, and everyone knows that. And <laughs> – if it's a let's just showcase our talent and showcase our speed and that that's sometimes what type of game it is and you know you won't see as much of that um but a majority of the time we give it back and forth to each other a lot and i don't know if it's more chirping like mouth and off to each other but definitely just like a physicality letting letting them know that you're in the corner with them letting them know that you're in front of the net with them and that's what makes the rivalry special those those types of plays no, I, I remember one specific, I think it was, I think it was Decker was in front of the net and she got popped like bad. And I don't think there was a call on it, but like, it was a legitimate hockey hit. And like, she got messed up. Do you know what play I'm talking about? I just, I watched oh, a video yeah. on it earlier. Today. And yeah, it was like, I think how's it that was, not a call uh, in the gold medal game? Yeah, I think it was Pooh that hit her in front and she was just back checking and kind of just nailed Dex and Dex bled from that, like up in the nose area. 
And, you know, you can complain all you want about uh, something like that. But I think Dex at the time was just like, I'm fine. Let's go. Like, you know, and that was our mentality. I I know Garrison had a question about the Olympic Village, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to ask what it was like uh, being in there. Um, Just being with all these other athletes from all the nations. That must be incredible. And to do it three times, pretty special. Yeah, very unique. Um, I would say my first Olympics was so special because all the NHL guys were there. And so I was just like, I want to see Sidney Crosby. Like, I want to see, I want to see this guy. But then as you more and more like have experience, you're like, all right, like they're just one of us, you know? And it's, it's just such a cool, um, it's just a cool tournament to be a part of because the whole world is coming together. And when you're not competing, you're in the dining hall, all sitting together. You're meeting new people, new athletes, and you know you still stay in touch with them throughout the years. Most special probably would be just other athletes I've met throughout the United States, from figure skating or skiing or snowboarding. Um, it's very unique to build those relationships throughout the three weeks that you're there, and then if you get to make a second time, you see them there as well. So it's it's just very unique. It's I I wish that everyone would was able to experience it. In, in your free time when you're there, are you guys going to different events as like a team, like watching different, different things going on? Yeah, it depends. One year we weren't able to do anything. We were just like there to play oh, hockey. Yeah. We were told yeah. we couldn't do anything. And then there was the 2018, we were pretty free to do whatever we wanted. And I think we had a mature enough team to say, yeah, like we have a day off. Let's go watch, you know, curling. And after yeah. you play, after we play though, and we have those three days, everyone's going to support all the other athletes. It's so fun. And like my favorite thing was going to watch the U S Canada game in uh, Sochi in 2014. I mean, that that's gotta be so cool. And it's not like you're just seeing like average sports either. Like it is the best in the entire world. Like not many people can say that they were able to like watch all these just superior elite athletes, just battle it out for their countries. Like I get chills thinking about it. I'm a big USA guy. So it's like, I'm yeah, just always supporting the red, white, and the blue. Uh, what was the celebration like after the gold? Oh, gosh. You know what? We were so busy. We had to go to the Today Show. We had to go on another show. And we didn't really get to, right after the game, see our families. It was like three hours after that. Oh, we really? finally got to see our families. Yeah, because it was like the time change and everything like that. We went from the locker room to the Today Show or Good Morning America uh, one of the two and we we were just sitting kind of waiting for a couple hours and then once we got to our families though that was when the party kind of started and it was just unbelievable we all went to like the Czech Czech Republic house which was right across the street from the village and they bought us all free beers like the Czech just gave all the U.S. (laughs) athletes U.S. hockey and their parents free beer that's unbelievable wasn't there like drama behind like Canada U.S. game one time didn't like a couple couple people didn't they light cigars or something on the ice or something and there was like this big to do about it i might be oh yeah that was that was in 2010 so did you guys think about doing that in 2018 because i would have fully respected that gosh no but we would i i don't think we would not have because why not i think when you're winning something that you strive your whole life for and you see these nhl guys winning stanley cups being drunk in public and talking to the media and like everyone thinks it's cool, but cause you're a female, everyone kind of looks down at you upon it. And I'm just like, enough of that. If I was, if I had like a beer 
I would have been fine with it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But oh, we, had, we, had, we had champagne uh, and beer in the locker room. We got in the locker room. Perfect. I mean, that's all you need, right? Like after that, yeah. I can't even imagine just the elation of just, you know, we finally did it. We got that gold medal, all that hard work, uh, all that effort. Like, yeah, it was the best. I, okay. So we talked about this briefly before we started the podcast. We have a mutual friend, Logan Fisher. He was the equipment guy for you guys. Uh, he gave me a couple tidbits. One tidbit <laughs> that he gave me, you black out everything with a Sharpie on your, on your yeah. gear. Is that right? Why Not do you do more. That? Okay, not anymore because I, I'm with Bauer, so I'm not allowed to do that anymore. But before, when I wasn't with Bauer, I just love black. So when I'm on the ice, like, I don't need any fancy equipment. I'm just like, I, I would love just a black stick and my skates to be blacked out. And I do spray paint the bottom of my stick black because I don't need all these decals and stuff, like, getting in the way of my vision. I just want, like, the puck on my stick. And, um... Yeah, like Chris Letang is my favorite NHL defenseman, and I think he Ooh. does it or something like that. And when I watched him like a couple years ago, I was like, I really like the way that looks as well. So I just, I've been doing the spray paint, but I always, the Bauer's always on it, but I don't black yeah. out my skates anymore. So why Chris Letang? That's interesting. I just, I love the way he plays. I think that he's just a phenomenal like skater. He works his butt off in the gym. A uh, great, great guy. I've met him a few times. Um, and I don't know, I just, his ability to play and like skate on the ice and stay out there and how many minutes he plays as well as like just blocking shots and playing so solid defensively. I just, I don't know, over the years, I've learned to just love watching his game. I mean, he's crazy talented and the amount of perseverance that guy's gone through over the last few years, whether it be injuries, I remember when he was younger, one of his best friends passed away on a motorcycle accident. Just like there were just certain things that have happened in Latang's career. And every time he's on the ice, you know, he's on the ice. Like he's, he, he's electric with, with the puck, not many defensemen in the league, like maybe Kale McCarr, a younger guy that can really wheel, but like Latang gets the puck and you immediately get that. Oh shit. Like something bad is about to happen to the Rangers right now. Yeah. Uh, Chris Latang. All right. That's good to know. And then also (laughs) Logan said that you are one of the most driven people that he's ever met. And I, I thought that this was interesting, right? We went from Berkshire, we went to UNH. We lost the gold medal twice. We won the gold medal. You've got to like pretty much the pinnacle of your sport, right? Like the gold medal. What drives you now? Like, it seems like you've done everything that you can do, or is there more that you want to do? Or is there more that you can do? Well, definitely striving to get another gold medal, right? And I think for me and with age, I'm just taking it every tournament, every camp at a time, but I still want to improve. I hate hearing, you know, you're getting older, you're not going to get any stronger, you're not going to get any faster. I think, I think that's bullshit. I think it's what you put into it. And you see Tom Brady, um, I'm a Patriots fan, like, Uh he has, I know, I know, he's been incredible, like, Good for him for going to Tampa Bay, but like he, look at him. He's 40 years old, right? Like, and he's still going, obviously hockey's a little different in the um, aspect of the physicality of it and you know, everything like that. But I just, that's my goal right now. They say Chris Chelios was like one of the hardest working players like of all time. Like he would go out and crush like a billion beers and the next morning be the first person (laughs) at practice, like sweating it out. And that guy played till he was like, I don't even know, probably like definitely 40s. And he was yeah. – Yager uh, too, yummy Yager. I mean, yeah, yeah Yager, he's just an animal. But animal. I think you're right there. It's just – it's how you handle like where you're at and like you just love to work. I, I get that vibe from you. Like you just – you have one speed and it's go. Yeah. I mean, I just 
I look at it like I can't even take, I have trouble taking like a week off after season because my body, I feel like if I take a week off, then I'm not going to improve and my quick twitch won't be there. So I'm always trying to be more flexible, like doing yoga, get my body moving at least like in the off season as much as I can, because that's where your improvement is going to show in the off season. So I try to work as hard as I can leading into, you know, the season. Absolutely. And, and now you are involved with company 39, uh, Joey Diamond, Joe Pavelski, Matt Fornatero. Now Fornatero, he was at UNH when you were there, right? Yeah. You have any funny stories about that guy? Yeah. I mean, the kid, I, I talk to him about this all the time. I remember Matt because he would just walk by me in the rink and not even say hi. And I'd oh, be like, hey. Big lead, yeah. Oh, big oh. league. Oh, <laughs> this guy. But he knew, he knows it. He goes, I, I didn't even know who I was in college. Like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, I totally understand. But they're unbelievable guys. Like they know my brother and I was so fortunate enough when they reached out to me about company 39, I was so on board with the whole situation. And it's something that we've worked together throughout the last two years and we're just, everyone's just so passionate about what we're trying to do. Right. And that's the biggest thing is everyone has the same values about it, the same passion about it. And, you know, all the goals are aligned in the same way. And I think that that's the most important. And it's a beautiful thing too, right? Because like you're dealing with hockey players. We, we, I say this pretty much every podcast that we interview somebody, but we're all cut from the same cloth. Like, yeah, you want a gold medal. I put up 104 points in a beer league one time. Who cares? We both right. love hockey. Like that's at the end of the day, like those are the things. And they have a company filled with people that just love the game, respect the game, and respect everybody else within the game. And I think it's something really, really special. And I'm glad that, that you are with those guys. I think they're doing an incredible job. I can't wait to see where they go from here. Um, but yeah, now I want kind of want to talk women's professional hockey right now. So I did some research okay. and I Googled it. I have no idea what's going on with women's hockey. Can you just let our listeners know? Because it is so confusing. I don't have a clue. Yeah, it, it's pretty confusing. But so there is the thing right now is people are probably hearing we need a more sustainable league, right? And mm -hmm. we there is a league out there. So that's a question mark. It's like, well, there is already is a women's league. So why aren't you in it? And that's a great league for other options. And, you know, whoever wants to play in that league is we support them. And that's what, you know, want to do. But we're looking for something, you know, better and more sustainable. And you know, we want to be able to be treated like professionals and we want our own locker room. We want our own rink. We want travel to be okay. We don't want to wake up at six in the morning in practice or 9 PM in practice. We don't want to have to do our laundry. It's these little things that have added up a lot in the last couple of years. And wow, last year was, yeah, it was, it's just been a tough year, but little by little we've had meetings and the showcases we've had with the PWHPA professional women's hockey players association so we created that and all the girls that are part of it which it's a lot of um players that play in the cwhl that folded two years ago and then a lot of national team players from both canada u.s um and other countries because we're trying to fight for you know having a league like the nhl how the men are getting treated yes we're not going to be making millions of dollars we know that but we can make a livable wage like Absolutely yeah, we can make a livable wage. Yeah, you guys should be able to have health insurance. Like that, I feel like that's not like too much to ask for. I feel like if, as a hockey player, that's like pretty standard issue, right? Like, yeah. 
and, yeah, and what sucks um, is like like what i said earlier that u.s canada game i'm not fucking around and i'm not like su- sucking up to you that was one of the best hockey games i have ever seen in my life and i don't care women's men's i don't give a shit like that was electric it was passionate like you watch that game and if you don't fall in love with hockey i don't want to know you and yeah. we, we need a league we need a league i know, and I know and w- the nwhl and all that stuff like i know that you played there you played with the boston pride uh ashley johnston she was the captain of the new york riveters she's uh mm-hmm. around here so i played hockey with her a few times great great person yep great but person. it's like gotta figure it out at some point it has to be figured out and i i don't know i just i love the fact that like you guys are sticking up for yourselves like you guys are professionals you aren't like some like youth hockey organization like you guys well, put people this is like yeah this is the time to do it for us because think about all the women's hockey players out there right now we have such a core group that they're going to go down in history. Some of these players, and right. it's amazing to be a part of, like you got Kendall coin, you have Hillary Knight, you have Brianna Decker, you have Marie Philippe Poulin, you got Brianne Jetter, um, Natalie Spooner, Melody Dow. These, these girls are going to be in the hall of fame. And right. this is the best time and the best group over the past. I feel like 20 years that we need to do something here. Yeah, it has to happen because you can't just have those girls and then have that go away. And then it's like, okay, like, that's ridiculous. Right. Like you, like they're superior athletes right now. And like, I don't know, it frustrates me. I don't like it. I can't imagine how you feel about it, but like, it's just annoying. I feel it's such yeah. a no brainer, especially cause like, I can't imagine why NHL teams wouldn't want like a women's team to be a part of their team or something along those lines. You're telling me that's not going to make money. Like figure it out. It's pissing me off uh yeah that's 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 kind of what i have for that uh you have a question about women's hockey right well i was also just going to add on to that like from an awareness standpoint and like from us with the morning skate and our listeners is there anything we can do is there petitions or things that we can get involved in and um try to further the game for you guys girls excuse me i mean yeah, I know it's tough and everything's really put on hold right now with COVID. And I think we're going to have showcases coming up in the next, you know, couple uh, starting in the fall. Hopefully we'll have like five or six again in various locations. But um, I don't know. I think it's just getting the word out there. It's just getting, you know, women's hockey, more exposure. I, for me, I'm 33 years old and all my life I've been told, you know, you just got to be patient. You just have to be patient. And this year was the hardest year of my life, hockey-wise. And I'm kind of sick of just waiting around and waiting for stuff that we deserve. Because like you said, look at this this rivalry. And you see women's hockey and how much it's grown. Women's hockey is one of the fastest growing uh, sports right now. And what do we have really to show for it except for the Olympics? Yeah. And... Hal, our, our guy who's normally on our podcast with us, he can't – I thought this idea was unbelievable. So, like, the NHL All-Star game, I don't know. I, I turn it on if it's on or whatever. Why is the U.S. not playing Canada after the All-Star game or, like, before the All-Star game? You're telling me people want to tune into that every single year? Like, yeah, we know. get U.S.-Canada every four years. Why can't we have that every year? That would be unbelievable. I know. Well, the, U, the NHL did an incredible job the past couple of years involving women – and this year, especially, I was so lucky to be a part of it. And it was phenomenal. Like, let me tell you, I didn't know what I was going to expect. But it was one of the best experiences of my life, being able to just be down in the hallway locker, Mario, passing NHL guys. And 
Canada, U.S. girls are all in one locker room. It's so funny, but it's an experience, whatever. But just everyone that I talked to said that the three-on-three was their most favorite part of the whole All-Star weekend. And I was like, really? Like, oh, yeah. And I just... I just feel like the NHL is really trying to help us. They've done an incredible job. Like Susan Koheg in the NHL, she's behind us 100%. And she um, has just been an incredible supporter. And I just hope, really, really hope that in the next year or so, things really get nailed down. What was your favorite moment of the All-Star weekend? Oh, there's so many. Like I, I've never been to one. It looks electric. <laughs> like, it looks like so much fun. Oh, I didn't know what to expect, right? And... I was running into the spit and chicklets guys here, like drinking pick pink Whitney. I was up in the VIP section of Tyler Sagan's like spot with company 39 with like all my other teammates and like the Canadians and just being on the ice during all the uh, skills just after, after our three on three, we were able to go out there and get pictures with all the guys and just talk anything. And I think that that was uh, one of my most favorite, but um the calgary flames organization really special um we live in calgary so all the girls that were there playing we all got per uh individual jerseys with our names and numbers on the back that's cool that's unreal who uh who's a player that like obviously obviously like you know who's in the nhl you know who's good or whatever was there a player that was at that tournament Mm -hmm. that or at the entire weekend that you were like oh my god that person's disgusting like I knew they were good but like I'm kind of even more blown away oh like I never saw like Connor McDavid up close and just to be able to see like what he can do like unbelievable like I want to just learn how he skates the way he skates and how he crossovers and everything but he's done it from such a young age he's been doing it so I get it Patrick Kane what he can do with the puck just in warm-ups these guys are just their, their wrist shots are better than my slap shot and my hardest slap shot ever, but it's obviously man and woman, but, and then you see the height of these guys, like Victor Hedman. I'm like, just like, he's so, <laughs> so much taller. He's so yeah. much taller than you think. Just an animal. Like I, yeah. I, remember, I met Mika Zibanejad one time after a Rangers game. And like, when you watch the Rangers play, he doesn't really look that big, but when you meet him in real life, it's like, Oh my God, you're a unit. I had no yeah. idea. But I mean, it's that, cool that sounds like incredible. Guys. That sounds like an incredible, incredible time. Here's a question for you. Uh, one of my friends, they got tickets to the All Star Game, but they could only choose between going to the All Star Game or the Skills Competition. If you had to choose what one to go to, what one would you go to? I think the Skills Competition because if you're you're probably going to bring your little kid and whatnot, and that's when you get to see the interaction with the fans and the players. People are throwing pucks over, just signing, getting pucks thrown back, sticks. So I think if you really want to be there for that type of, you know, atmosphere, go to the skills competition. It's it's really unique. For sure. And whenever I go to, like, NHL games, one of my favorite parts of the game is I like in there early for warm-ups. Like, I love watching, like, mm-hmm. a PK Subban just, like, fuck around with a puck. Or, like, just there's, like, just the skill level that these guys have is, is incredible. Like, Austin Matthews, one hand on his stick, doing whatever he wants. Like, that would take me – probably 80 years to figure I'm actually, I would never figure it out. I'm not even going to pretend like I have that talent, but like, I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, but that was our hockey portion. I kind of want to dive in a little bit more. I feel like most podcasts, like they just talk about hockey and that's about it, but I actually want to get to know who you are. So here are some of our questions. We're in quarantine, right? We're in quarantine right now. What are your workouts Mm -hmm. like? 
And what is your go-to Netflix show? That's our first question. Okay, so workouts, I would say pretty normal right now because I've bought everything kind of I need to be successful in my workouts. I have like a slide board, I have plyo boxes, dumbbells that go up to 50, treadmill, bike. So I'm pretty set. I can do all the training that the national team wants us to do, which I, that's my priority. So I spent money on that. Um, Netflix, I've, I watched Nashville because I love music and country artists. And then I'm watching Waco right now. Unreal. Tim Riggins is the main character in that Texas forever. Love that guy. That was a great show. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah pretty wild it's okay stuff, like i don't know I, I kinda, how much i'm into it so far but it, it'll it'll pick up it's crazy it's it's like a uh like i knew that waco existed i didn't know much about it but after you watch it you realize how messed up it is but uh garrison you want the next yeah, question for sure yeah so um I, I saw on your instagram is my wi-fi really bad <laughs> it, it, it could be better but keep going um <laughs> So, yeah, I saw you were posting some nutrition tips and, um, you know, what is it that you eat? What's your pre go-to pregame meal? And like, um, is there a specific diet that you have, uh, in season or anything like that? Yeah, I try to keep it, my eating pretty clean. Sometimes, you know, I'll order takeout or I'll have a little balance and have dessert, but my main, my main food, uh, would be protein. So that's the one thing that I really make sure I'm having a lot of because when it comes to training and you're burning so many calories, um, that protein is huge. So I'll either do like a chicken, rice and salad or like steak and asparagus and vegetables. So I'm always vegetables and protein. And then breakfast is also huge. Um, I'll do like avocado toast or acai bowls um, or smoothies. So those are types of things I've been eating and I think that over these last two months I've kind of brought in my nutrition a bit because I've had the time to cook okay I saw the avocado toast on the Instagram today that looked delicious if we ever meet I would like some of that um what uh what is your go-to drink at the bar you're out at the bar you're with your friends you guys are having a night what are you ordering I'll probably start with a margarita Oh, 100%. let's go. Yes. Yeah. 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 Probably start with a margarita and then I'll turn it into a, probably Corona. Corona beer. Okay. I love. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I can get behind both of those things. Uh, yeah. I, I like this one. This is like one of my favorite questions. I, I ask everybody this because it kind of tells me a little bit about them in a weird way. If you could start your own music festival, who are five artists or bands you would want playing there? Oh, that's loaded, but okay, let's go with my brother, I'm going to say, because I think after I'm all done playing hockey, I want to I help him try to get to that next level musically. So I'd say my brother, Dave Matthews Band. Let's go, okay. Um, Journey. Whoa, okay, Don't Stop Believing, love it, a little classic rock. Yeah. Florida Georgia line. Okay. And let's throw in like Sam Hunt. Okay, so you you like you like the country, the country type music, don't you? Yeah, I like country. I like the classic rock. 
So I, I, my parents loved it and we grew up listening to it. I, I just don't love like the rap, like, like so much rap. I can do everything else. Like Meg the Stallion, not a Meg the Stallion <laughs> fan. That's fine. That's fine. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Garrison and I were huge into country. Uh, Kenny Chesney, we were going to go to his concert this summer. That's the one person I haven't seen that I really, really want to see. And now we have coronavirus. Uh, yeah, so, that would be a yeah. good one. Yeah. And Dave Matthews uh, like Garrison takes over our whole town for the weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah, so yeah, I was just saying. We, 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 hey, how's your Wi-Fi? <laughs> <laughs> this is my bad. Um, <laughs> um, I was, uh, yeah, I was going to ask um, what you would tell, like, a younger version of yourself, um, kind of knowing all that you know now. Um, if you could go back and tell a 10 year old version of yourself, like what would some advice be? Uh, I would, there's a few things that I would say. I would probably say always trace, always stay true to yourself. I would say never give up, like keep working towards whatever it is that you want to do or that you're fighting for and never give up and just be kind, like always just treat people with the utmost respect, just always just be a good person and i think that at the end of the day that's what matters and that's where you're going to build your relationships and keep your relationships for the rest of your life if you do those things kind is probably, yeah kind is probably my favorite word of all time because like you can be nice to somebody but like kind is just like that genuine thing like you're not even thinking about it that's just who you are great word right. great word respect that uh what is your ideal perfect summer day? Sunrise or sunset? You wake up, go to bed. What are you doing that day? You can do anything. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's wake up. I'll enjoy my Starbucks coffee. What can I say that? I don't know if I can say Starbucks. So just say, I will enjoy my morning coffee. It's one of my favorite okay. times. That's where I plan out my workout. So I'll write exactly what I need to do. And then once I kind of eat my breakfast I'll hard boil eggs like around that time or make my smoothie and from there I'll work out and then I'll make sure that I do it I'll end my workout like before 10 or 11 so then I can lay out in the sun if it's nice out because I love laying out in the sun and probably you know have a have a lunch with like a little salad lunch and then maybe go for a walk, take the dog out for a walk, go to the park, prepare dinner, and then Netflix and chill all night. It's a perfect day. It's a perfect yeah. day. What kind of dog do you have? Well, I'm, I'm with my friend right now. She has a boxer, but my parents, we just got a new dog. Uh, he's an Australian cobra dog. It's like a doodle, like a mini oh, doodle. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. yeah so he's gorgeous. We're, we're a dog positive podcast, so we appreciate oh, yeah. that. Uh, what's your favorite emoji to use? Heart. I always use the heart. Okay. All right. Yeah. Heart. That's not bad. I like the, uh, I like, I like this one. Yeah. That's a that's good one. I use that one a lot or just the, I don't know if that one's yeah. a good one. Uh, what would you be doing if you weren't a hockey player? Probably be helping my brother with his music career, probably become his music manager. Um, but maybe I, I wrote, write poetry, so maybe um, Ooh, be more okay. diligent on poetry. Yeah. 
and other than that maybe like breed dogs because i love dogs so much so like become a breeder okay so the poetry thing have you been doing that forever and also like have you thought about writing songs well i have a poetry book that i released last year um it's called unbroken heart of gold and I started writing that probably four or five years ago. And it was just random poems that I've thought of like throughout my career, through different experiences that I've had. There's one about like the rivalry. There's ones about nature, um, a couple about my grandmother, uh, relationships that I've been in past. And yeah, just a lot of different things, a lot of unique things, um, but it's pretty deep, you know? So sometimes people think like, oh, I got this for like my 10 year old. And I'm like, it's pretty deep for a 10 year old. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> but man. it's just something I wanted to do. I always thought, so like when I'm not doing the podcast, I'm a copywriter for like a marketing company. And what's weird is like, if you told 16 year old Jimmy that he was going to be a writer someday, I would have laughed in your face. Like that's absolutely not going to happen. But like, that's where I'm at now. And maybe I'll start doing stuff like that. Cause like I want to, but I think I'm scared about doing it, but maybe, maybe I'll start dabbling into that. Yeah. You have should. To, like, follow your lead there. Um, Things are so easy nowadays. I, I did it all on my own through Amazon. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I come out with a, a little book. Garrison, what do you think yeah. about that? Would you buy it? Oh yeah. We'll promote it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right. And then the last question that we have for you, if you could pick three people dead or alive to sit down and have a nice dinner with, enjoy a couple bottles of wine and just really pick their brain and their experiences, who would you pick? I would say Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. mm. Just that, that elite competitive mentality, that guy. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, he was supposed to come talk to our national team the week after um, wow. the tragedy. Yeah, very sad. But uh, definitely, I know I would have looked forward to that. I was looking forward to it so much and um, just so devastating. But yeah, I would have loved to talk to him. And just, he's just such a competitor. You can just see it in all the interviews, yeah. all everything. Like, I was, I'm watching The Last Dance right now. I was just going to ask love you. It. I'm just yeah. hooked on it. Yeah. yeah, and it's just so powerful. Um, I would have to say my grandfather, I'd never met him, but he played hockey at Brown University, um, okay. played professional baseball. So he, he's something that he's probably the reason I'm playing hockey and like why I'm so competitive. I just didn't know it. That's cool. Yeah. And then dead or alive. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say my parents just because uh, they're incredible. Like I miss them every day right now because I'm in Calgary, but they're the reason. I'm here, obviously, but because the support that they've given me and the opportunities that they've given me throughout my life, nothing will ever compare to it. And I'm not going to ever be able to repay them enough. That's, I mean, that's the perfect answer. You have to put your parents down. Have to. Mm -hmm. If you don't, that's just bad, bad juju. And yeah. Calgary, you like country music. Have you been to the Stampede? I went last year, the last day, and it was raining, but it was so worth it. <laughs> so it's on my bucket list. Like that is the probably the number one thing I want to do is go to the Stampede. It's, just, it's a rodeo and country music festival, right? Like, it's just like... It, it's a party for seven or eight days straight. Nine days. I'm gonna... I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. But, uh... Yeah. We... I mean, this... I just learned so much. This is definitely... Yeah, this is my favorite podcast we've done. Like, Stop. I appreciate you being so open and, like, not, like, you aren't held... You're just open. You're not holding anything back. And I think that that makes my job a hell of a lot easier. Because, like, we've talked to people where it's like, hey, what's up? And they're like, nothing. And then that's all you get. So... Well, you guys have, you guys have good questions. 
Well, Thank I, you. I mean, we had to bring the heat. It's the first time we've had an Olympic gold medalist on here. Good <laughs> questions, bad Wi-Fi. Uh, Garrison, do you have anything else? No, thank you so much for coming on. I, I think Jimmy just nailed it there. We were both a little nervous, to be honest, uh, to gold medalists. We've never, we've never done something like this, but thank you for being just so kind and genuine and uh, sharing everything with us. Was, um, oh, absolutely. I love doing stuff like this just because not a lot of people, I feel like, know women's hockey, or if they do, they don't really get to see this side of us because we're always in our helmets, right? Right. No, and I, I just, I don't know. This was, this was incredible. And Garrison nailed it. Like, this is probably the first time I've ever had a podcast that I was nervous. Cause like, I, I don't know much about women's hockey. I didn't want to like embarrass myself, but I know that I was like okay. super interested. In, you know what I mean? Like I was just, I just wanted to know. And this was great. USA. I'm probably going to have to play the national anthem after this one. But uh, <laughs> Thank you for hopping on and uh, good luck with training, everything, keep in touch. And uh, hopefully we talk soon. Absolutely. And if you guys ever want me to come back on again, like, let me know. I'll come on with my brother or whatnot, my both brothers. It'll be a good time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, good luck to you. That was this episode of the Morning Skate. We will talk to you guys soon. First game.